time to take a deeper look See what's on the horizon Check if the earn is out or underperform the guidance The good companies always striving for innovation While the bad, short-sighted often get complacent But we plan for the future and look for action to take now So gather around, it's time for the breakdown <laughs> It's a little different today Just it want is. to say it's a little different you know what? You know, I can literally move here or I can literally move here. By the way, everybody say hello to. Hi, Butter. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm like kind of blown because like people don't realize when they, you know, meet me in person that I'm like six feet, you know, and the only reason why I sit down is so that you don't feel short. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So, like, so let me get this straight. So, today we're supposed to be literally standing mm -hmm. for the whole show. We're gonna get our we're gonna get our standing time in. I need to have my Apple Watch on though, so I can like get here. My we're here. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> All right, you ready to get it going? I am. I'm just sending All my right. customary greeting. Hey. All right. What's good, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, all things galactic, and of course, coming all the way from Leisureton, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> give it up for none other than... Had to cut you off. What does it, cousins? It's still in GC in the place to be. <laughs> and welcome to the AV, y'all. Like we always say, whether it's events, yards, class, or the CAF, we're all connected to the AV. But yet in this arena, it's the markets because all things are connected to Wall Street. If you want to see where the money flows, you'll see it. All right. So uh, where did we get going? Like today, it's a new chapter. Like it's a new chapter, just like we're standing up. But let's get some of the obvious stuff out of the way. Like, for example, if you haven't subscribed yet, Down below, just just one little tap, one little click, you know, that's it. That's all it takes. And on top of that, if you like, you know, if you like the vibes, if you know what we're about, and if you like what we're about, go ahead and hit that like button because we would be totally gracious. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, just like who was it today? Uh-oh, Dan the Barber coming in. Dan yo, it's like it's yo, things are things are just like changing. He would. He had his notifications ready, and when I say that he had his notifications ready, Jolyn, mm -hmm. guess what time he clocked in? Um, he clocked in at one twenty-seven p.m. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you're very close. But he clocked in at one oh nine, nine minutes after market close. He was here, ready, and is like, "Yo, present and accounted for." So that's pretty cool. We salute you. We salute you, Dan the Barber. We salute you for having your notification bell. And if you want to be like Dan the Barber, go ahead and hit that bell so that way you can be a part of the notification squad, AKA the Cool Kids Club. All right, JoLynn, how did we do in today's markets? Let's see, Mark. <clears throat> so it looks like the Dow was negative 313.45 points. We're now mm. occupying levels of 30,706 points. S&P 500, negative 43.96 points, which leads us now to 3,855.93. And the NASDAQ was negative 109.97 points. So we are still below 12,000. Let me just take a sip for that because... Lord. Okay. So we're at 11,425.05. The VIX is at 27.16. We have the 10 year treasury note coming down just a little bit from yesterday, but um, still well over uh, 3% at 3.561%. Heading over to sector performance. Mark, as you know, there are 11 sectors. And we like to track the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. We got technology, consumer staples, and energy holding it down in the first spot. However, um, mm. are the first top three spots, but they are everything was red today. Um, and then consumer discretionary materials and real estate were in the bottom. 
heading over to our pick performance, aka the sips. Um, if you're new here, you can find our picks, aka the sips, um, on our Instagram page at that come up series. We have SQQ. Um, up 2.42 percentage points. Apple was yep. up 1.57 percentage points. And Joanne was up 1%. So mm. those are the top three. And our bottom can I say who the can I say who the uh, can I make a wild guess of who I think is probably gonna be in the bottom three? Go for it. I'm gonna take Nike for 500. All right, I'm gonna give you 250 and keep the change. So, <laughs> restoration hardware was negative 4.31%. Then Nike was negative 4.47%, and Unity coming in at negative 4.50%. So, everybody that was in the negative was um, over 4% um, in the negative. So, that's what we got okay. for what happened in today's market. Um, so we have questions, Mark, you know, we have some other, you know, fun things going on, but okay. I need to tell you that uncle Charles sent me this article. It was really fascinating. It was about millennials, Mark, millennials and Gen Zers. I don't know what age group Gen Zers are. If you know, please put that in the chat. Are they, um, I think they're after 1995 or 1998. It would have to be 90. I think it would be 98 yeah okay so anyway um the, the young folk here so there's this article he was talking about how um, nearly one in five young well nearly one in five investors traders whatever close their um accounts whether it's yep. a brokerage account whatever um over the past 12 months and 21 percent mm -hmm. of them were millennials and gen zers and they gave various reasons like um uh volatility and inflation and it just got me to thinking about how we need to cultivate resiliency like in the culture <laughs> because yeah depending on how you're looking at it how you're coming in like you have to have you know some level of uh, presence of mind to know like while you're young you can take the risk yeah, yes. like, right now you can get beat up, but like if you're in now and then you wait until you're, you know, you're older and it's really starting to pay off, like that could really be the difference. Like a few years, 10 years, whatever can make the difference between if you're going to be, you know, secure as you're older or not. Yeah. You know, exactly. So, it's kind of interesting because, you know, do you know the story of like when warren buffett actually became wealthy it was when he was much older right yeah so warren buffett didn't become wealthy until he was 65. Mm. like that's when he actually actually amassed wealth at the age of 65. so when people think about it it's like a lot of folks are out here sprinting but like remember this sprinters they they may be fast but they run out of gas very quickly so, and when you're thinking about something in the sense of wealth, it's a marathon, it's a long-term endurance race. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of unfortunate, but again, I think that it just lets me know that we have we still have a lot of work to do, which by the way, yes. I think it's a great segue that like, kind of like brings us into like, you know, the reason why we're here today. Well, y'all know why we're here every day, but mm -hmm. I mean, this one's even more special because honestly, I want to tell you a little story, Jolyn. Okay. So speaking of Uncle Charles, I was actually introduced to this brother by the by way of Uncle Charles. And you know, it's kind of interesting, but it's very rare. Like you have you ever had like it's like it's rare where we have those magical moments when it's like you get to see yourself, like a vast portion of yourself mm. in somebody younger. Mm. All right. So and and it was it was very interesting because of the fact of the same things in which that you know the same things in which that I love as it pertains to the markets. You know, this gentleman definitely you know took that he took that baton and started sprinting with it at a younger age as it pertains to like you know being active and like sharing the knowledge with other folks. It kind of like you know gives me so much joy to let me know that it's like when the time is up for me that it's like yo the culture is definitely in great hands. Mm. And so, you know, I, I felt like it was very fitting to like, you know, definitely bring this brother to the stage, you know, 
coming all the way down from the from the dirty south aka atl where he resides you guys may know him of black wall street originals aka the panther <laughs> in the building yo we both are wwe fans we definitely love wrestling but we love markets even more we love to help people even more than that so give it up for none other y'all and making his coming series debut mr lawrence eggleston yes sir man i appreciate that <laughs> did i bring you out did i bring you out like steve harvey in the king's comedy you gave me that warm that warm welcome you, gave, you called me out like paul Heyman. you gave me that nice warm welcome for sure <laughs> I love it. I love it. Welcome to the stage. Welcome to the stage, brother. It's it's been a long road coming, but you know we are so blessed and honored to have you here. Um, I know that we're gonna rock out. We're gonna geek out. So let's let's get the uh, let, let's go through the section of what we call let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. Who you is, who you be, and what you about. So like, tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. Uh, let them hear your story. Definitely. So, you know, my name is Lawrence Eggleston. I first started uh, really getting into trading and investing really when I was 17 years old. I was in my economics class and, you know, I was pretty much flying through the work. You know, I was a senior in high school, getting ready to graduate early, 17 at the time. You know, I, I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I looked at, you know, I only had a couple of classes left basically for graduation. So I looked at you know, economics is like, that's something that really intrigued me, right? And that was probably my, that was my favorite class ever during high school. And the first teacher that I had, it was like, she was like marking me off because I was like doing more than what I should have. And I, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know how that made her feel or whatever. So I ended up having to get my class changed, which was the greatest thing ever because the teacher that I had, Mr. Postel, you know, he encouraged me. He was like, nah, you got to do more than just this book work that we give you. Right. And doing more. What did that entail? So I started finding myself like looking at things like the ECB at 17 years old, started looking at the Australian bank, the, the you know Bank of China, just all different things that I'm just looking at and just taking in all this information. And the one thing that I saw across whatever ec economy that I looked at was that the wealthiest people in the world invested in two things, stocks and real estate. And so I knew for me, it was like I wanted to invest in stocks in the United States of America. And I knew at the time, like me being 17, I knew that if I can continue to save my money, that once I turned 18, I would have an abundance of money to be able to invest. And so for me, it was all about getting the education first. And so where I started was, was studying economics. And then I grew that passion there. Then my third day, you know, I went to college at 17. My third day on college is what really sparked me. My trainer, who I go to now, he was the person that did my freshman convocation. So he gave us a speech. Mm. It was one thing that he said that stuck with me. You know, he was like, yo, essentially, you guys got to really figure out who you are here. Right. You can't wait on anybody else to do anything for you. You have to figure it out for yourself. Like this isn't the same ball game that you was just playing before. This is a whole different ball game. And that made me think. And I sat on that for my first three days. And, you know, I've always been a person that's always hung around older people. I talked to a lot of upperclassmen and one of the things that they told me was that yo a lot of people come here and waste time and then they don't get jobs after college because they're not putting in the work and that was one thing that sparked me i said you know what? i'm not just gonna be here and get no degree and then just expect things to be handed to me i need something tangible that i can learn and make money from right now and so as soon as i you know, I, I as soon as i had my refund check you know because i had money you know, that was coming in, basically that Pell Grant, you know what I'm saying? Hope Scholarship, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I already had my, I already had my savings because I was working pretty much since 15. I ended up getting a second job. So it wasn't that I got a second job because I really needed it to pay bills. But I'm like, nah, I'm looking at stocks at the time. I'm like, Tesla's at 200. I'm looking at companies like Square and Roku. I'm just seeing all these different names. And I'm like, these businesses make sense, right? Yep. And so I knew if I lived below my means, and I invested my money that I had that maybe the 25 year old me would probably thank me. Well, now I sit here at 22, but the decisions that I made at 17 and 18 completely changed my life more than what I could have expected at the time when I was making those decisions. So I sat for six months in my dorm room. You know, I would work, you know, pretty much, you know, on my off days from school, I would work literally from eight in the morning till 10 at night. 
You know, I will go from one job, get an hour break, go to my other job. I was a full-time college student, 15 credits, 18 credits sometimes, and I was just grinding. And one of the things that I learned just by reading these articles on Investopedia was like, yo, every time I click something, something else will pop up. So I click on that. I click something else. Boom, it would pull me to something <laughs> else. So it was just like, it was a never ending cycle of just information. And at first, like when I first came into the market, like I wasn't learning from anybody. It wasn't really a bunch of stuff on YouTube. So it was like, this was like 2017. So I'm just reading stuff and I just come into contact with stuff. And then by 2018, you know, I find out about options, right? That's why I find out about options. I start studying. And, you know, 2018, but I studied first. Mind you, I had at that time two years of experience in the markets via long-term investing and just studying economics. So then I got into options. And then from there, I took it slow. I'm like, let me just try to buy one contract. Let me see what happens. <laughs> if, I buy this, if, I, if, I, if I buy this put and the stock go down, will I really make money? You know, as an options trader, <laughs> when you first get into it, you have these questions. And so yes. for me, like, you know, I just kind of scaled in um, the summer of 2018 with just really building myself in options. I took some wins, took some losses. I wasn't using a bunch of capital. I'm primary long-term investor still at that point. And then I just realized one thing just clicked. I'm like, yo, what I'm doing is I can really just replace my time. And I just started becoming successful at it. And I just started just being compounded, you know, take my money, walk away, make a couple hundred dollars here, boom, walk away, make a couple hundred dollars here. Then it turned into a couple thousand, you know what I'm saying? Took some L's, took an account, you know what I'm saying? From, you know, four figures to five figures. And then you start <laughs> feeling that emotion come through, right? And then you get a little bit greedy. You think you're the tribal chief for real. Find out you ain't the tribal chief. <laughs> and, um, you know, so those lessons that I learned, you feel me, it, it put me in a position to where, you know, now that I studied all of those economic things, when the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates in 2018, yep. it was like, bingo. I knew exactly what I was about to do. Now I had this new type of strategy and device. So, you know, I shorted the market. And once I shorted the market, I literally took the profits that I had and I literally invested it, continued long term in names. And then from there, I mean, the rest is history. 2020 came, literally my life changed. Even towards the end of 2019, the markets were sky high. And, yep. you know, I made a decision for myself back in 2018 i said you know what i'm gonna leave my two jobs and i took a position at my school at the time to start teaching people so i was teaching people about the stock market about investing about good principles in 2018 right november 2018 is when i started so i would host you know classes in my dorm room literally where i had to tell people hey you can't even come in it's packed right so every sunday i would have a weekly watch <laughs> and i would be teaching people on my campus how to make money trading and investing stocks. And so it got to the point where the school was like the financial aid office. I were, I had an office in the financial aid office at my university. And nice. you know, the director came to me and was like, you know, we want you to start teaching here in the university. So now I'm pretty much going to school for free. And then I was getting paid, you know, a five figure check every semester to continue to go to school for teaching. So now it's like my school's paid for, I'm good, I'm getting paid. And then, you know, I'm just taking things on. And so. You know, that's really where my passion came. I just seen like I've always been a helper in my life. You know, I grew up my mom, you know, my mom's single mom. I got two little sisters. So I just always had a passion for myself uh, to really take care of those around me. And I'm just a, really a helping person. And I care a lot about people and, and that passion shows um, through my actions. And so that's one thing about me. And that's just a little bit about me. And then here along, you know, I just continue to go. You know, I started BWSO literally in my college dorm room. And, Tell us um, what that stands for, Lawrence. Yeah, so Black Wall Street Originals. Yep, so Black Wall Street Originals is what BWSO stands for. Um, I created the name. I kind of came up with it. My my grandma, who passed away in 2008, she came to me in a dream. Uh, I was telling Mark a little bit earlier just about, you know, when I, the night I won, you know, the championship in a raffle at a WWE event, she came to me back actually in 2017 at the time. And um, she left me a message and then she, you know, basically went back into the ocean. I was like, you know, it was a dream. She mm -hmm. was like, you're destined to do something right now. I need you to grow up a little bit, become more responsible. I need you to gear up, get ready, because there's some things that's going to be happening in a few years from now that I need you to be ready for. And when she told me that, you know, that changed my mindset. I didn't know exactly what she meant at that time, but I would then find out thereafter. 
So for me, it's just about carrying out where I get the name Black Wall Street Originals from. If you take a look at our people, you know, our people are the original people of this earth, right? And in order for us to get to where we want to be, we got to start acting like that. And so that's why I came up with the name Black Wall Street Originals. So yeah. We have so much in common, it's not even funny, but we started in November uh, 2018, and that's when I made my first trade as well. For sure. That's crazy. So it's kind of interesting how the stars align. So, all right, but this is called When Markets Collide, though. So we got some questions. So yep. we're definitely going to flip those questions. And then, of course, Tonight we're also gonna let you rock tonight, Lawrence. So you know we gonna we gonna geek out. So Jolyn, how do we get started? Well, let's start it off with a question. Is it the big? Is it the big question going into tomorrow? A lot of people have that question. Um, okay. Yeah, this question is: What do you think is gonna happen tomorrow? I emoji, bed, lol. That's what the question is. Okay. Yeah. So who do you want to go ahead, Lawrence? You take it first. Yeah. So really my take with what happens tomorrow, I know a lot of people get caught up on like in the moment, right? One thing mm -hmm. that I've learned about Federal Reserve interest rate decisions, and I think uh I was cracking jokes with Mark the other day through text about the 2018 situation. And um very quickly you'll learn that you never can really predict the react you can never you can predict sometimes what the Fed will say. But you can never really predict what the outcome may be because i always tell people just because you might have thought what jerome powell said was bad someone with more money might have thought it was okay right mm -hmm. so if someone with more money thought hey jerome powell said everything right and press that buy button your buy button or your sell button don't really matter so that's kind of the way that i look at it is like i never try to get caught up in what i thought was good or what i thought was bad what the money is telling me right what yeah. did the money think and so for me tomorrow you know if you take a look at the past five weeks if we was to pull up the chart you'll see pretty much since august 15th the market has turned and usually that's what that. happens it's it's already uh priced in say that again i was gonna say if you want to just call out a chart and i can i can pull it up for us tonight yeah the spy if you want to pull up the spy for us i can definitely do that for you yes sir uh, so as he pulls that up, so yeah, we saw the market turn since pretty much August 15th and he'll have to spy up. I'll be able to take people to the last time people were highly anticipating the Fed uh, coming in and raising interest rates, right? And what happened mm -hmm. was that was that was in early June. You know, everyone was bearish on the market. The market's going down, it's going to zero. The spy is going to 330, it's going to 320. And you know, the spy okay, hit so that. Yep. We got the spy up on the screen right now. Yep. So uh, if we- Let's see here, can you see it? Yeah, I see. I see you're on a monthly. Yep. And I see you got. Okay. Uh, Do you want me to put it on a weekly, daily? Daily's cool. Okay. And I'll get rid of, I'll get rid of these because uh, clearly. <laughs> and I'll get rid of this as well. It's all good. So okay. If zoom, yeah, if you can zoom in to. Let me just remove all drawings. There we go. All right. So where do you want me to zoom into? Zoom into that top point right there on August 12th. Okay. So August 12th, here we go. Right there. Perfect. All right. That's picture perfect. All right. So if you take a look, so we've seen pretty much since August 12th, uh, right? We've seen the spy pull back from that 433. Looks like, yeah, that 433 high right there. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I will say is, is that pay attention to the behavior of the market. I think that's always one key thing that I talk about. The behavior of the market at 433 was, let me tell you the emotions. <sighs> So I hit 360. I didn't get in. It's at 433. <laughs> I felt left out. Man, the market's about to go back to 460, 480. I didn't, I didn't invest my bread. I didn't invest my money. Oh man, now the spies at 385. Really again? It fell again. And what happens is that people get caught up so much in their emotions that they forget that mm -hmm. there's an opportunity sitting right there in front of your face. You were just complaining a month ago about the spy being at 433 and you didn't invest. But now the spy came back on the 385. You have another opportunity to potentially invest in things that you might like at a fair price, right? And so tomorrow, when it comes to Jerome Powell, he steps to that podium at 230. What I tell people is, is that the Fed is at first illustrated that they was going to have interest rates around 3.5% by the end of the year. With a 75-point basis hike, 
that hike, that will already mean that they're at that 3.5. So the Fed is already at that point. So what, what's happening is that the Fed has seen the CPI is not decline to the likes that they may have likened, right? We saw a little mm -hmm. bit decline from 9.1% to 8.5, but then you go to 8.6, right? Again, even with gas prices and certain other things coming down. But one of the things that I'll tell people is, is that it's important to understand how the CPI is actually calculated, right? 33% of, of, of that CPI comes from rents. So that's why we're not seeing the CPI come down because uh, landlords ain't saying, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll lower rent a hundred dollars. That, that hasn't happened yet. Right. Because people still need a place to stay. People are still, you know, people still need a place to stay and rent out. So what I would say is, is that when just taking a look at, you know, the spy and what we've seen, um, even if we was to pull up the QQQ as well, too. Right. OK. You know? Yep. I will remove TQQQ and roll into. Oh, you got you got my baby up, T Triple Q. Hey man, <laughs> look. <laughs> uh -oh, Mark, Mark was in the he was in the dark study on the T Triple Q over there. I see. Look. Um, <laughs> so if you look at the Qs, right? So our tech index. One thing that I will say is, you know, we saw we saw tech get really, really, really oversold early on in, in june and in, in late may it was able to make that rally but i'm looking at a lot of buyers right that's probably sitting at that 260 and 270 level that's a major demand level right and so going into tomorrow i believe that the federal reserve is going to do this right we already know they raise interest rates that's not no surprise mm -hmm. right that's the expected right. but what is the unexpected what are the unexpected variables I think the unexpected variable is that the Fed says that they're expecting rates to now be at 4.5 to 5% by the end of the year. I think Correct. that's the variable at play. The Fed throws that out there. The market may not like that. Now, also what we've seen, if you take a look back at the past year and year and a half with the Fed, usually the market over the past year has liked the reaction on day one. So yep. it's played kind of a, 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 a trick on people. It's like, Jerome Powell come out, he had a press conference. People be like, oh my gosh, the spot just went up seven points or 10 points. But then what happens is the very next day, the market will be down 2%. And then over the next coming weeks, it starts to tumble over. So you may get that effect, right? Where you see the market go up tomorrow, right? And then what happens is, is that after that, the market starts to tumble back down. So that's what I would say. Um, I'm expecting really the unknown. I always tell people try never to predict, try never to have positions in, just trying to bet, oh, the Fed gonna do this, Fed gonna do that. Just sit back, sit back tight, and you'll probably get another opportunity that comes in your hand. So that's how I look at it. Nice. I think it's well said. Uh, there's nothing else for me to follow up on, except for the fact that I, I think another thing that we can add on is if the Fed says a 100 basis point move, which is going to the far extreme, uh, yeah. from going from 75, 75 to 100, that can also spell trouble. I think another thing that can turn things uber bullish is if the Fed like literally changes course and does a 50 basis point move and then 25, 25 for the remainder of the year. Uh, kind of like as I think it's Professor Jeremy, uh, uh, Jeremy at Wharton School of Business, yeah. uh, which a lot of a lot of people call him the grandfather of economics. Uh, you know, I think that that's that's interesting. I think the in the other interesting part is, of course, will we start to see, you know. Because a lot of the data that the Fed is already that they're already discussing, you've probably already seen it in the beige book. So there's nothing else new there. So I would probably say the things to look at though is I'm starting to see that we're starting to see some earnings revisions yeah. starting to take place. So some of the guidance is starting to be removed off of the table. So yeah. we saw FedEx. Interesting. <laughs> FedEx and then Ford coming out there and saying, okay, you know, maybe just about a billion dollars really is to be real with you mark is like my attention is really more so on q3 earnings right which right. pretty much get started uh you know pretty much october 14th is really where they most of them get started kicking off with the banks that's really where most of my attention is and then now you're leading up into the end of september 30th the end of q3 always around this time there's a lot of money that rotates if you take a look it at gets to rotate. especially now there's going to be money that rotates because this is a negative year so some people yep. are still trying to turn some profit, even in a negative yep. year. And they're trying to make those adjustments before fourth quarter. It's just like a football yep. game. If you're down the first three quarters, you know, in fourth quarter, you got to go all in to figure out how you're going to come out of this. So, yeah. <laughs> the running game is not working for us anymore. 
But you know, like with Apple, you can tell Apple is, you know, bracing itself for um, just the inflation and trying to protect their earnings because they recently um, talked about raising their in-app purchases. Yeah. Um, and that kind of looks like a way to preserve their earnings. So that yeah, going right. in, they're going to still make some type of profit and just try to offset inflation and, you know, whatever else is happening um, when it comes to those purchases. So Definitely. I can see I mean, other companies preparing um, in similar uh, fashion as well, like just preparing to raise those prices. But then the question then becomes like, OK, well, so I'm bringing it back to the millennials. So yep. we're seeing all this, you know, activity all in Gen Z, seeing all this activity in the market. Um, what do you have um, to say? Given the context that we're in right now, what do you have to say to Generation Z mm. and millennials about the next five years? Yeah, so I, <laughs> here's what I'll say. And this was a, this was something that I I took to heart really in 2018, right? I would tell people in this position right now, please pay attention to what companies are still changing the dynamics of things. There's certain things that I see and I look at and I pay attention to because what happens is is that usually I like companies that solve issues, right? And I think a lot of times people like a lot of times people my age, 22 younger people we get caught up in the fast the fast money right the market of 2020 is not here no more you're not going to invest in a stock for three months and you're going to get 150 200 300 percent type return that liquidity is gone for one let's just put that out there the liquidity is not even there for that type of stuff to happen right now but also i want people to understand you have to be invested in businesses right now that are still cash flow positive right that have good and great balance sheets. What happened is, is that a lot of people invested in cute names, things that sounded cute, but did not post any profit. And it, 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 there was a lot of imposters, one trick ponies, right? You mentioned a great point when you talked about inflation. Peloton can't price that bike higher and had that pricing power. But guess what? Apple can still drop this iPhone 14 right here and people still go buy it, right? They got, not every company has pricing power. And that's what I try to encourage people to understand. If you're someone that is my age right now, if you're someone that's just getting started in the markets, you have to be patient because sometimes we like, and, and this is the time to invest. A lot of times we don't take our same habits that we go into these grocery stores and we go to these brands and we spend all of our money. We, we know how to identify a proper product and a discount in a store, but then people come to the stock market and act like they don't know what they're doing. You know it's a good product. Some, and, and I will say this as well. Some people are trying to shorthand themselves. What do I mean by that? They're willing to take their money and put it in a company. They know they have no business being in, but they're going off a of price instead of value. A lot of people are, are missing the value. And people are. some people are looking at, oh, my gosh, well, why ain't Tesla down as much? Or, or, or why ain't Apple down as much? How is, or how is, for example, let's even use today in the past couple of days. Well, last time I checked, the market had a couple a couple negative days to pass, but how is it that Tesla is still afloat? How is it that Apple is still afloat, mm -hmm. right? So one thing that I learned in 2018, which is something that I implemented a lot in 2020 when the market dropped, I paid attention to certain names that were green mm -hmm. when the market was red. Mm -hmm. And one thing about Tesla was, Tesla was one of those names where it was like, in 2017, 2018, the market could be bloody. And then here go Tesla, still one percent up two percent up and i just started I, in 2017 and 2018 I, I saw it i recognized it but then once I, I would look back on it because i always take notes when 2020 came i'm like let me see the companies that's still green when the market is red because that's where you know your true strength is right and i think when right now people should be looking for the companies that are still printing those green days and it should be looking at companies that are still providing value what is the value that they provide a lot of these companies in 2020 and 2021, I mean, I don't even hear about SPACs. Do SPACs even exist anymore? I haven't heard about SPACs on CNBC in a long time. I would have thought SPACs didn't exist. You know, so there's certain things that you have to like pay attention to because it's like people a lot of times are getting tricked out of their spots. 
right? You're getting tricked out of your spot. And it's important to learn multiple strategies. One strategy that I employ is selling options. I know that I, if I want to hold an equity long term, guess what? That equity is going to be volatile. And yep. so when it comes to me selling options, I can create cash flow off my portfolio right now and I can hedge maybe some of the losses that I might be seeing that are unrealized in my portfolio. I think what happens is that people also have an all in number. There is no all in number. Never go all in at, at any number. It could always go lower. And I want people to have that mindset so they keep cash on the side and then be able to continue to invest. Also, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. My go ahead. last thing that I would say is just like, don't be scared to feel like like an outsider. Like for me, when I first started this, I had two. I already told you I had two jobs. I never cared about what people said about me. So right now, if you know that inflation is high and you know that you're looking, you like, man, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to really invest because I don't really have the money. That means you got to do a little bit more. You got to start. You got to figure something out because that's just reality is like you got to want more for yourself and you got to believe. I said one thing today. I said a lot of people are investing in stocks that they believe they're, that, that that's based upon their character. So what do I mean by that? A lot of people mm. don't value themselves. So they don't view themselves as a Tesla or Apple. They look at themselves minuscule and they look at themselves like Snapchats and Zooms and DocuSigns, right? And people look at themselves like that. You got to look at yourself like a Tesla and Apple. The greatest investment that you can make is yourself first. So you have to believe in yourself. You got to invest in yourself first. That might be financially. That might be from time-wise in order to get to where you want to be. So that's what I would say. Um, okay, so bringing it back to what you're talking about with Apple and Peloton, for example, um, and Tesla. So you said that Apple had pricing power. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the things that drive, you know, people to want to have the iPhone or people mm -hmm. to want to have the Peloton or the Tesla, there's a couple of things that you can look across the board and mm -hmm. help you to find those companies that are still swinging when the market is, you know, down for the count. Yeah. So for one, if we look at, we look at the phone, mm -hmm. like one is essential. Yeah. Two is a status symbol and yeah. um, also strong branding, right? So- iMessage is definitely a lexicon because if somebody texts you from Green Bubble Citizen, it, man, like, we got a problem. Yeah, it's like, so then you look at the Peloton, the mm -hmm. Peloton is, in some regards, it's a status symbol. You know, there's yeah. like a cult following, you know. Um, yeah. They don't have pricing power. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. It's now to the point where they basically told people, look, we, the rower's coming out and there's not going to be any financing. So what y'all going to do? So we have that. <laughs> they, You know, they have branding, but it's also, it's missing a key ingredient. It's not an essential. It's still seen as strictly a luxury. Then yep. you look at Tesla and you're talking about companies um, solving problems. Well, here we have Tesla. Not only is it a status symbol, it's also, you know, you're about you're literally driving the values, right? Um, yeah. Being earth conscious. Um, and then also, again, um, if I didn't already say it, it is a status symbol. So and it has strong branding strong branding to the point where they don't spend money on marketing, right? It's like the people that are driving the cars are the marketing. So you have that, that kind of um, cheat sheet, so to speak, to look at other companies. And if the company is not doing those things, if they can't check off any of those boxes, then it probably is a company, like you said, like a Snapchat of the world. And when you were talking about valuing yourself, like I know that there are some people that were convicted. Yeah. not valuing themselves and treating themselves, you know, with reckless disregard. And so when we're talking about that value right now, given what the markets are looking like, what are the some things that you want people to know um, about their value? Yeah. Um, from a stock standpoint or just a personal standpoint or both? Both. I want to see them collide. Both. Marry yeah. them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, married together. So I'll start off with the I'll start off with the personal standpoint and I'll hit the stock last. Right. So the personal standpoint, how I look at it is this. A lot of times from a personal standpoint, we know certain people that we shouldn't be around, but we continue to be around them. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's the same thing with a stock. We know that we're in a bad investment, but we won't leave the bad investment. 
We'll say, oh, we'll wait till we get back positive on it, right? And you know the likelihood of that is probably in the depending on the stock, right? We're gonna say all stocks, right? But there's certain names that you know, right? Beyond me, that ain't coming back, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard you and off noses. <laughs> like, ain't coming back. Like, let's just be real. You know, people a lot of times, and I and I, and I'm saying these things because it's like a lot of times people get caught up in the hype. And what happens is, is that sometimes, sometimes fellas, and I'll be speaking to the fellas here, you guys will be looking and being like, man, she looks so fine. She looks good. But then you miss that she's not bringing any intellect to the table. You're distracted. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as what's happening. It was like these one trick ponies. They only do one thing. They look good from afar, from a stock standpoint. So what happens is, is that a lot of times we get caught up in the looks how something looks oh man they got a nice app or they're doing this right for example let's let's use doordash right doordash came mm -hmm. to market right everyone was like oh man doordash i can get my food so fast but people forgot to ask themselves is this a profitable business or does or does or, or does it just look cute right or does it just do one thing and that's what's happened is a lot of companies have just came to market because it was a lot of cheap liquidity there was a lot, a lot of money in the market Notice, notice how many stocks IPO and the, we kept seeing articles. Uncle Charles could attest to this. There were articles every month last year that came out about how many IPOs came out, right? Most Correct. since 2000, most since 2000, this, all that, right? And IPO drought season this year. Yep. You look at that. Why? Because the money's not there. The Fed has raised rates. So the cost of borrowing has went up. So what I tell people is from like, you want to be able to audit and be able to see that. And it's the same way that you would audit a person, right? And that's what happens is a lot of times people are getting caught up from a mind a mindset standpoint of they're looking at everything that looks so cute, but then they're not actually going undercover. They're ignoring all the bad signs, right? Mm -hmm. For the queens, like for the queens, they like I know that guy's not good for me, but they're ignoring all <laughs> bad signs. They look, they said, "Well, geez, he has all this debt. He ain't got no money in the bank." Right. They're looking at all these bad signs. Right. All these bad signs. They character. You taking a look. They characters. They credit rating. If you look at half the companies you probably invest in, and they credit rating will tell you, yeah, you probably should be invested in that. Right. So that's kind of where I would say is like comparing it from a real life situation to the stock market. So, yeah. Yeah. My I'll just I'll just throw in three things, though. Three things. Good. Cheap. Good. Fast. Yep. If those are the three qualities in which that you can look for in any company, you know, in any business, you know, you have to ask yourself. And if you can only choose two out of the three, you know, look at it when you see many of the companies out there in the market. You know, I could buy this company because it's cheap, and then also at the same token that it'll get it'll it it literally has fast movement. But at the yeah. same token, it doesn't mean that it's going to be good. Yeah, it's like okay, I want something to be, I want something to be cheap. And good. Well, it doesn't mean well. Then that means that your wealth, as it pertains to growing your wealth, it's not going to come fast. Yeah. You know, there's a sacrifice in which that you take as an investor, or you know, wherever you are in your journey, there are certain things in which that you're going to like that you're going to want. But then there's going to be things in which that you're going to also have is going to come with a cost. And I think the thing is that Lawrence Lawrence is definitely hitting the like the huge nail on the head is is that you know we were screaming about SPACs, you know, literally like okay, hey. Those chickens are going to come home to roost, which is built into their framework because a lot of them aren't making money. A lot of those companies were supposed to be companies that are like maybe Series B, Series C, Series D uh, companies. I know this as a venture capitalist because of the fact is, is that when those markets started to dry up because of the fact is we wanted to protect companies that were already in it, that were already existent within our portfolio. We weren't yeah. looking to essentially like we had to pick and choose. Okay, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna chop off this arm in order to save the rest of the body of the portfolio of assets. Yeah. And a lot of those companies they started to realize that, but then they saw all this liquidity that flooded the market, and they said, okay, hey, I can get it way cheaper at a much higher valuation in the publicly traded markets than I could, say, for example, going to a Silicon Valley bank, an A16Z, a, a Kleiner Perkins, and so many other firms. Instead of going there and ultimately them taking a chunk, say, for example, out of us because of the fact is they know that we're hurting for cash. They know that we're, we, we don't have that type of cash flow reserve. So, again, we're going to try our luck in this back market, which for them, it was amazing. But here's another thing. 
when you also look at the companies that were already in existence, here's a, here's a key kicker. Let's say that Apple borrows $90 billion, Lawrence. They borrowed $90 billion during, let's say, the pandemic because mm -hmm. interest rates were ridiculously low. Now, their right. payback as it pertains to that $90 billion, would you, which, which would you rather have? Would you rather have Apple spend the cash, like take that chunk of $90 billion out of cash from their cash flow that they already have sitting in cash reserve? Or, would you, or is it easier for them to take the $90 billion, pay the small little, say, for example, fee that they're paying already or in corporate, in corporate rate, and then essentially go on ahead and go ahead and innovate and essentially keep making stronger iterations within their product? Yeah, I would say for a company like Apple that has the credit rating they have, the cash they have, the business they have, and a proof of concept, it would make sense for them to take the loan, right? Because they can go ahead and pay it back pretty easily. And the business, it just makes sense because they had a capital on hand. And I see the way I see the point that Mark is, is going to. You had a lot of companies that took bad loans. You had a lot yes. of you had a lot of companies yes. that took a lot of overnight lending, and you had a lot of companies that were basing their results off of the pandemic. Let's be real. Correct. Mm -hmm. Peloton is number one. Yeah. And so you, you had a lot of companies, for example, Zoom, right? And I, I use Zoom because Zoom said this point blank period. They said, man, we wasn't expecting this type of user growth till 2026. And so what did that tell me? What happened was, is, and Mark just said it, he said too fast, right? So what happened was a company like Zoom is like, yo, they got fat and greedy. They're like, yo, we're going to kick back. We, we hit our goals at 2026 and it's only 2020. But then the company had to realize and say, well, shoot, we, we didn't have anything else planned, right? Correct. Because you hit your goals, you, you hit all these goals, you're making all this money so fast, you didn't even, but you didn't even have a plan for further. And that's what happened. Um, and a lot of companies took bad money, right? A lot of companies took bad money that now they look back on and they're like, yo, like, I can't even afford this. This is why you see companies like Snapchat pretty much go ahead and say hey we laying off 20 percent our workforce and that's why i yep. point to these companies because these companies were around before the pandemic i want people to and i think most people understand that if you take a look at most of these charts right if we went to snapchat to square to docusign to a wayfair i could be here name of oh, pinterest uh, all these different co uh, companies overstock overstock yeah. shopify you know what I'm saying? Pal Palantir. Palantir. Their charts have their charts pretty much show you the same pattern. So growth went through a huge accumulation phase from 2015 pretty much all the way to 2019, right? Correct. Growth went through that huge accumulation phase by definition. If you guys read that book, you know, I've recommended a lot charting the technical analysis. You'll see that, right? And pretty much you saw that public participation phase took place for like two years where the media was hyping up all these names and everyone was buying into them and you just saw the stock prices just continue to go higher and it created a euphoria type feeling just like you know it's been described before that euphoria was in the market and you saw markets pretty much went higher and then now they started to tilt lower now because we're in a distribution phase where the hands where the you know money and the shares have been pretty much taken out of the wealthy and now distributed to the people that's buying them right and that's pretty much the point that we've pretty much hit and i think it's important to mention that is because a lot of these like like mark said a lot of these companies took bad money and now yeah. it's them on their profits right their profit margins are horrible and these companies got away DraftKings, for example came into the market that's another one of my victims right DraftKings is like pen pen national gaming i'd be here all day naming these companies that just had those such high valuations with no proof of concept. I mean, Correct. Rivion, this would be my last example. Rivion, this company came in, almost hit mega, mega cap. Within, <laughs> I came in at way lower. So, I mean, honestly, I'm still a shareholder, but yet at the same token, 13, 12 bucks a share, hey, yeah. I'm good with that. And it's like, but it's like, exactly. But it's like, yo, this company at one point had like $160 billion market cap. That is correct. And it, and it, and it, had, it had no proof of concept other than, so there was so many, like everyone felt like there was so much money in the market and everyone was scared to miss out. So it was like, every time things came in, 
things just came in super hot. Even Coinbase, the first yep. day Coinbase, like Mark, Coinbase has never even hit its all time high. It it literally no. opened up and it's literally been down ever since. When you start yeah. to see stuff like that, that tells you that there's something wrong. Mm. And so when I started to see stuff like that, I said, now nah, there's something wrong because it just, the story seemed to be written even with the articles at 403 from CNBC, right? It seems mm. as if, it seemed as if Jeff was back there cooking the articles up before it was yeah. done, right before the day was done. <laughs> they just knew that markets were hitting all time highs every single yes. day, every single day. It seems so scripted. And then I turned yeah. to myself and I said, you know what? Why is it that January 3rd of this year? I told people, I said, the, like, there's something, there's nothing coincidental, right? Why is it that January 3rd this year, the market topped and it tumbled over and ain't been back up, right? Because a lot of it, a lot of institutions bought stocks in 2020 and they avoid mm -hmm. that, that, avoid paying a certain amount of taxes. It's good to sell mm -hmm. in the calendar year 2022, right? Yep. So the majority of the selling has came this year, right? And a lot of stuff was propped up, you know? And so that's what that's what I would say. So definitely. I know that we went on somewhat of a tangent, Jolene, but yeah. <laughs> I think the interesting thing is, you know, here's the thing that kind of, and I think that that's the, the, the part that I'll I'll rock on this part and then I'll let you, you know, close us out, Lawrence, because you, you've done a phenomenal job today. And then, of course, you know, we'll get to the, the closing remarks um, with Jolene. So here's the thing from a VC standpoint, because I started off on this part of the conversation mm -hmm. and I said, okay, hey, well, they, they went to the publicly traded markets. Okay, you got the cash when cash was cheap, but now the cash has become expensive. Yeah. So at one point in time, the cash was, you know, a great ally to you. Now the cash is no longer an ally to you because of the fact that now you're stuck. Now, a lot of folks are going to sit there and say, well, they can go ahead and spend that towards R&D. But if you weren't already spending that money towards R&D beforehand and in an environment where cash is more expensive, then now that's also, say, for example, a shame on you situation. That's the first thing. Um, the second part to that is, is that when we look at it now is like, cause we mentioned Apple and Tesla and I start off with this example of Apple borrowing $90 billion in cash. Yeah. Well, the reason why is because that $90 billion in cash that Apple can borrow literally turns into what a three X, a five X, a 10 X over, let's say a five, 10, 15 year period over time, which literally makes that $90 billion look like a stick of gum. When you think about it in the grand scheme of things, I mean, look at Apple's earnings. Apple brings in about what is it between 85 to roughly 120 billion dollars every quarter. Yep. So to literally have to pay a subtle payment. So let's say that you borrow 90 billion dollars and then now you're paying, let's say, five billion dollars or two billion dollars on a quarterly basis. I'm, I'm spitballing the number. But yet at the same token, look at the revenues in which that they're bringing in at that point in time. The cash is very much so cheap to you when yep. you've got to literally borrow X amount of billions of dollars to literally create the product or to literally create the service in order to bring in the customers to solve the chicken and egg problem. Yep. That's a problem. And you go ask any VC out there as a startup or anybody that's out there in investment banking or on the Wall Street side of things. That's a major headache. And that's the part where we're trying to say that a lot of those companies right now, they got squashed. Now, does it mean that their futures are gone forever? No, absolutely not. You know, but is it, does that mean that you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for those companies to go through that process and develop, which means that, okay, they spiked. Now they came back to reality. Now we're getting ready to see who are the really strong out of the group. You're getting ready to see the strong survive and the ones that are the weakest ones, they're going to get picked off and they're going to get acquired. Though that I'm mad at Adobe for acquiring Figma, especially buying uh, double as book price value. I'm going to leave that alone for another day. But <laughs> but Lawrence, all right, what you got? What are your closing thoughts, sir? And my closing thoughts really is, um, first off, let's give it up for this platform that we have right here. This is a beautiful platform. It's been a pleasure to be on here. Um, and, yo, like the information that you two share on a week-to-week -week basis has been, you know, wonderful for people. And go out there and execute. That's my biggest thing that I would tell people is really go out there and execute. Um, I think a lot of times we get caught up in, well, you know, I'm, I can't do this. I can't do that. I hear a lot of I can'ts, right? But I want to hear a lot of 
I will, right? I can, I will, it must be done. That's how, that's what I live by, right? Mm -hmm. I can, I will, it must be done. And that's, it's just that plain and simple. It must be done. Cause if not you, then who? And that's the reality of it. If not you, then who? Cause if you don't do it, nobody else gonna do it. So that's always been my mentality for people. Um, As far as what we have coming next, when they take a look at the markets, I'll tell people to really look out for Q3 earnings. I'd encourage people to get on some earnings calls this quarter. If you've never been on an earnings call, I would encourage people to tap in. A lot of times you can catch them live on YouTube. Um, you'll catch the phone calls. Sometimes you can catch actually little links to uh, on some of the articles that you might be reading as well too that says, hey, join join this call and you can listen in. There's a lot mm -hmm. to learn by listening to these CEOs. You know, Some of the things that me and Mark are talking about, we're we, we know these things because we tapped into the calls and we're hearing these things and, and, it, and it clicks over time. Um, I would encourage a new person as well too if you hear a word that you don't know, I would I would encourage you to Google it, and I would encourage you I would encourage you to really do that. That was one thing that happened with me was like I was listening to the Fed, I was listening to I was listening to stuff in foreign languages and in different countries, and I'm like, okay, they said this, I don't even know what they said. Let me go read that and, and research that. We got it so easy now to literally at the tap of a few buttons, we're opening ourselves to information that we didn't know. And don't allow the technology to make you lazy, mm. but make sure that you're using the technology to really enhance and, 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 and put things in a different perspective for yourself. So those would be my closing thoughts. It's been wonderful to be on here. You know, I'm appreciative of the time and the opportunity. And I see we got a lot of people tapped in. So I want to thank everyone individually who's tapped into this tonight. Uh, I've seen the comments a little bit, and I just want to say thank y'all. Well, we thank you for being on. Jalen, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm going to echo the same sentiment as Uncle Charles. Do not let these folks shake you out the market. Facts. Um, we this we have the way we can look at this is as an opportunity to build right now. So things are affordable right now. Um, and, you know, I think it's also important if you're not going to execute right now, then be on your research game right now. You know, set the amount of hours you're going to research. If that's five hours a week, do that and stick to it. And if you fall off, then get back on and do do better. Um, and like I always say, let no thing stop you. Okay, like seriously, let no thing stop you. These are all things. If you got fear, that's a thing. If you're like letting laziness and procrastination get in the way of your wealth, that is a thing. Do not let it stop you. There is too much money out there for you not to have your slice. Yes, ma'am. Or a whole pot, you know? Sure, you I was going to say, would you rather have a piece of a grape or would you rather have a piece of a watermelon? Or would you rather have a whole grape or would you rather have a piece of a watermelon? My grandfather used to always say that. Watermelon. Uh, Lawrence, it's like I said, it was an honor having you on the stage. Jolene, you know the vibes and what we do. But Mark, yes. You know what I was just thinking? That would be really cool. It would be so cool if, you know, Lawrence came back like on a, I don't know, maybe a more regular basis. Oh, you messed up my announcement. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I ain't got no drum roll, so we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna pause it for any longer. It gives me great pleasure to let you know that this is only just a taste. If you looked at the title and if you looked at, say, for example, the thumbnail that we released, we yeah. said that this is the next chapter. And this is the next chapter of the Come Up series, AKA a series of dope things that literally help you in your wealth journey. And we thought that it wouldn't, it, we would be remiss in those history books if we did not include Black Wall Street originals becoming mm -hmm. a part of the series here at the Come Up series. So in the future, in the very near future, you will be seeing Mr. Lawrence Eggleston, AKA the Black Panther, grace the stage his own stage here on the come up series and we'll get those details out to you but we just wanted to let you know that that is coming up very very soon in the very near future so the future is very much so bright and of course you're looking at the future like i said it was very interesting meeting lawrence the first time i met him 
And then on top of that, when we met in person, it was literally like looking in the mirror of seeing, say, for example, just a person who just had more hair than I did and everything what? else. <laughs> Younger, but, huh? It was a Spider-Man meme. It was like, you uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it was amazing. Like the first time that we met in New York, it was literally, I think we sat there for like three, four hours and literally just chopped up life. And ever since then, I just knew that essentially that this was definitely going to be something in which that he will be able to rock this platform and take it to new heights uh, and continue to further on that mission in which that we've started here at the Come Up Series. So we welcome you, Lawrence, to the Come Up Series. We look forward to you having your own stage, your own content, your your own message in which that you want to present to the people the platform will be just as much as yours as it is ours, and we welcome you, brother. So, welcome to the Come Up series, man. We've been sitting on this for a while, so <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm gonna say this: like, you guys got a lot of things uh, coming to you guys that we'll be doing here. Um, like everything that I do, I put my heart into it, and I just want the best for each and every one of us collectively together. We all we got at the end of the day. Like, we got to be able yes. to uphold each other and uplift each other, right, and be there for each other. It's not just I feel like sometimes people get caught caught off with just dollar amounts. I think sometimes people in our community, we think about just the dollar, the dollar, the dollar this. But we're not thinking about a lot of times what we can do collectively together. I think that's important. And one of the things that's happening here is that we're we're making a change that is furthering. You know, at the end of the day, we don't want to let what our ancestors did go to waste. Right. Right. Had to bleed, had to fight. We ain't really got to do none, none of that. But what we do do have to do is we have to educate ourselves collectively together and take this information and, and pass it on. And I think that's one of the biggest things that came to me was like, yo, like if I can just teach some people, like they can go and teach other people. And that's how we make that change and truly in our culture, because we hear a lot of the culture, this, the culture, that our culture, our culture, our culture, our culture. But at the end of the day, we're really confused about that. We got to yeah. create we got to really get back in and really sit back and say to ourselves, what can we do differently right now to really change our lives? And I think what is important is that we have to not only invest in ourselves, but we have to invest in each other, but we have to be willing to now start trusting each other. I think that's important. We have to be willing to start trusting each other. That comes, that comes with time. I'm going to be real. That comes with time. And the last thing I'll say is like, do not let anybody trick you out of your spot. Mm. Be very careful of what noise you listen to. Be very careful of someone saying, well, man, you shouldn't make this decision. You shouldn't do that. You, you, you shouldn't take this. You shouldn't take this in investment stuff serious. You shouldn't do that. Why, why you don't come out? Why you don't do this? Don't fall victim to trying to appeal to other people. That's one thing that I learned at a younger age. When I was in high school, I used to always feel like, man, why why don't certain people appreciate this? Like, don't get caught up in this. Sometimes you can't focus on what everybody is thinking and what everyone it wants you to be. Sometimes you, you got to go out there and just be you. Folks mm-hmm. being you. And that's my message for y'all tonight. So I'm glad to be here. Can't wait. I got a lot of stuff coming to you guys. So thank you. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. We would be pissed if we didn't ask. What? What cousin is he? Oh my a cousin. God. Yes. What cousin are you? Say, what cousin am I? Yeah. Yeah. What cousin would you be if we got to the cookout? He'd be like, that's that, that he's that cousin. Uh, I'm that. So I'm that cousin that's, you know, I'm going to come in. I'm going to come in smooth. You feel me? I have a nice fit on. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be me. I'm going to have a nice fit. You know, I'm that cousin that come in with a nice fit and then he got his wife with him and everybody be like, oh, he, he here. He here. You know, so that's the cousin I am. I come in with a nice fit. I'm, ch- I'm quiet and chill though, so I'm not the loud one. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have no alcoholic beverages in my hand because I don't drink. But I'm just a I'm just a cool one that you gonna probably sit down with the table with and probably had all the questions and I can never eat. That's the cousin I am. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm gonna call him uh, cousin smooth operator. What cousin are you, Jolene? I'm the hungry cousin. All right. Okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. Y'all, thank you so much for rocking with us. Yo, you see how she do? I mean, look. Yeah, she she was like, yeah. Y'all, thank you so much for rocking with us. It's been amazing. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by...
Lawrence Eggleston. And it's Jolene GC in the place to be. Hella, hella hungry. Let's go. <laughs> and this has been your come up. Thank you guys for watching the app. We will see y'all next week. Actually, no. Wait. Uh-oh. Pause. We actually have a Thursday episode. Mm. I wonder who that episode will be. We'll see you on Thursday. So y'all be kind. We'll see y'all in the next one. Peace, y'all. Peace out.